All right. Um, and just thinking about the next year and how I'm not being led just to be humdrum, do the church checklist. So I've started kind of developing some thoughts about that and what that might mean. Hence the text messages I sent out. You know, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with where we live. Even, even right now, as bad as things are, we still live in America where we have it pretty, pretty cush. And I think that develops a lot of lethargy in us as, as far as God because we don't seek God I mean, I work in a jail environment where I see that all the time. They don't seek God until they're in the pen and their back is against the wall. Um, and I don't know really, you know, God positions or He allows things to happen in our life that, that'll, that'll force us to seek Him. And I'm grateful for that. But I would sure like to get the point in my life where doing His will is, is priority over everything. And I don't know how to do that. I, there's no mechanics behind it. There has to just be a point in your life where you decide to pursue Him and work on that relationship. I, I don't have any answers as, as to... Because... I, all I can do is look at my own life. You know, I'll look back, used to, and it's way better now. But I'm nowhere near where I want to be with my relationship with God. But it, like, if I look back 10 years, I would look at how I would get so busy with work, things to do around here, and playtime. <coughs> Your dog. Uh, before you know it, and, and I remember even actually having these thoughts, how I'd look back over two or three weeks' time and how many times that I actually engaged God. And it wasn't that I was a bad person, but I was not engaging God on a free will basis. It was, it was still, even then, it would be... A circumstance that would happen that would, oh, I got to get God involved in this, you know. So I just want to move beyond that. I want to. God allows these circumstances to happen, like I said, to to make you seek Him. But wouldn't it be great to have a maturity level that you just go after Him with the zeal of a Paul or a Peter or somebody like that? Um, Stephen, the deacon. You know, here, here's, I love, I even favor Stephen sometimes over all the apostles because that was looked at, I, I, I mean, in today's churches, the way they structure a deacon is either somebody who hires or fires a preacher. They don't do much but that. But when they were appointed in the New Testament church, it was to serve tables, make sure the widows were taken care of, the things that you like to throw the pastor into now, 
all those little kind of things. That was an appointed office. And here Stephen was preaching to the lost, getting in the face of the Pharisees to the point where he was martyred over it, basically. So here, here, here is, here's a man who's in the church serving the widows, serving dinner at, at, at the gatherings and that kind of thing, doing those kind of what we would think is lowly things, but he's turning the world upside down. just with his passion to know God. Um, somebody, somebody read Matthew 6, 24, verse 24 to begin with. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the other and love the other, or he will, devote, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The cure for anxiety. So that's pretty much a priority right there. Setting a priority. And that's pretty tough. I mean, it's easy to say it's not tough. But all you got to do is evaluate your life. And your goals. All those kind of things. Go quietly in a room. Open your heart to God. Repent. Make, your, make that channel open to God and then ask yourself, honestly, how does spirituality prioritize in your life? Does it really take front and center? Or does having the new four-wheeler out here take front and center? You know, or, or your hunting trip or whatever it may be in your life. Have those things nudged out the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning. Or the, the last thing that you do before you go to bed at night. Did, it, did your spirituality really take priority in that day in any way? And when I say this, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody in here except myself. Believe me. You know, it's just, uh, there's a hundred excuses. Okay, somebody read uh, 25 through 33. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear, is, is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Would you say to what? Uh, 33. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who are you by worrying can stop a single hour of his, of his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Do you see how the lilies of the field, fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, it is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them one of the that last little phrase there don't the pagans do the same you know that's yeah I, I go through my work day and have conversations here and there about menial not meaning nothing but the conversations are all the same it's it's all wrapped around comfort, all wrapped around pleasure, those kind of things. That's where that conversation is all the time. And, and at the end of the day, for the most part, my conversation hasn't been any different than any pagan that I worked with all day long. You know, I, I, I stop and really think about it. I mean, my goals, my aspirations are just like theirs. And I'm not saying that that's, that's totally wrong. But that envelops my whole life. I mean, God really hasn't. Seeking his will, his kingdom, those kind of things. And, and really, we, we, we say that tongue-in-cheek. And that's kind of what I'm driving at tonight is we, we say his kingdom and, and his will and all those kind of things. But if I ask each one of us, what does that mean? I don't know that we've got the answer. I don't. I mean, I talk about the kingdom of God and all that, but what really does that mean? If he's coming back, and we've talked about how he's going to come in his presence first and establish his kingdom on this earth, and he's going to do it through his many-membered body, why do we act like we don't have any part in that? We don't need... We don't, we're not even sure what that structure is even going to look like. But it says, when he comes back, every knee shall bow. I mean, it is going to be a structured thing. Yes, it's spiritual, but it's going to be a structured government that God has set up. He's the head. In Ephesians 4, he says, he gave the body of Christ first, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teaching, for the building up to the fullness of, to be united to the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's more than just going to church, having worship, doing prayer requests. There is something more to it than that. And it, it has to be what governs our life, not the United States. There has to be, and, and those things are going to come with discerning of the Spirit's getting wisdom and knowledge. You know, Melinda opened up last week about how closer she was to the Lord by the things that she suffered, even though they were her bad choices. But there's wisdom in that now. That needs to be utilized in the body of Christ more. That's, that's, that's starting to lean into more of a gift of God in her situation that she can disseminate that to a lot of you that you may learn and get built in more of his image. Those are the kind of things that, that we can ask for from God and actually begin to implement them instead of just being willy-nilly with God and his kingdom. We can start maybe getting a goal, maybe see it, the end to those things with those kind of gifts moving in here. And that's just the start of it. Just the, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, someone read Luke 12, 13 through 15. 
someone. Good. Some in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my, my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to them, You fool, this, is ver this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Where did you stop? 21, did you want me to keep going? Nope, that's fine. Okay. Um, that, again, we, we, we read these as good little stories. Is anything he was doing wrong? No. No. I mean, it's pretty... In, in the, the secular world in which we live, that was pretty prudent. It was pretty wise. But that was his whole focus. And because it was his fo whole focus, he's... Lord, you idiot. Your life is going to be over today. So, even though what he was doing was, was right, it was still wrong. Because he was going to be standing before the Lord. Well, and it sounds like his, his motive was wrong behind it. You're right. He was prudent. We have to be prudent. We have to have a savings account. Mm -hmm. we, we have to be responsible people. We have to be responsible right. stewards. But he specifically says here, and, and, and maybe I'm taking it wrong, Maybe that's, but it says right here, I will work really hard, and then I'm going to take, take it easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. So it was, I'm going to work really hard now so that I can be lazy later. Right. Whereas I don't know if it was, I'm going to work really hard in case somebody needs me, in case... There's there's a drought in case there's he said it so that he can just party. Right. And, and it was it was is it was very self self centered right. with, without a doubt. But it, it was all consuming as well, and it, you know it, it's it's the same thing. I I don't. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be around a while because I think God's got something for me to do. But still, yet I don't know that for sure. Because there's another, <clears throat> there's another realm that runs parallel to ours, coexists, coexists with ours, and that's a spiritual realm. And God says when you die, the body goes to the ground, the soul sleeps, and the spirit goes back to the Father who sent it. It doesn't mean that it goes back to the fathers who sent it sit around a table having a last supper till the end of the age. Paul talks about we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. The Lord is interceding for us constantly to the Father. I imagine, in, in, and I can say it pretty confidently, that believers who have passed on aren't sitting up there cruising around on some cloud with their feet in the, the heavenly pond. Playing the harp. Playing the harp. They're interceding for us. They are, they're, if you could have angels have war against 
fallen angels and angels have war against a message being brought to a prophet, that, that realm is pretty active. And it impacts our realm. David, the Lord, Gabriel told, told Daniel, Lord answered your prayer the minute you, you ask. But I was held up by the Prince of Persia for 21 days in getting here. Now, I don't know the intricacies of all that, but there was something going on there that was real. So, the, you know, Micah Flick, perfect example. No reason he should have been taken out of the game, but he was. Now, now maybe the Lord is using him as a hard, heavy intercessor for, for this city. Whatever. Who knows? So, the Lord can command your life here at any time. I want to be able to take my next or my last breath, step in front of him and say, I fought the good fight. And that's not a checklist on Sunday. It has to be more active than that. That checklist on Sunday might get you in the group that says, I never knew you. So we, I just, I'm just trying to bring in an awareness to this. Um, see where I'm at here. Somebody go ahead and finish through 32. Twenty-two through thirty-two, Luke twelve. Castle it. And he said to his disciples, "For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life, as to what you will eat, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither soar nor nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them." How much more valuable you are than the birds. And for which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more would he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you will need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And just, <clears throat> just to go on, read on to a little bit there. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, nor moth destroys. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. It, it's, just, it, it's reiterating the same thing. and Seek the kingdom first. We need to, as a body of believers, start seeking the kingdom. And that, that should bring up a question, what does that mean? The only way we find out is looking in here and going before God. But there is specifics to this that he will give if we honestly seek that. 
And I, and I think it, it, it feeds right off that. Quit worrying about your bills. Quit worrying about all those kind of things that all the world worries about. You seek my interest, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. Don't let that consume you, because I need your thoughts consumed in my kingdom business. And that literally, that literally, guys, can, can be worldly business. With the kingdom focus. You know, Sean's a a drywaller. This could morph into him discipling young men and and giving them a trade to learn. It can can be so many different things. And we're just letting that stuff just slip away. Because we're focused on taking care of ourselves. I'm stuck on 34 here where it says, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will also... But I'm an absolute believer that true Christians, true people seeking the kingdom of God are going to be the biggest and greatest entrepreneurs this world has ever seen. I think we should be the ones coming up with new businesses, new insights and things like that. Not to self-gain as much as it is for discipleship. You know, even, even as simple as it was in the wilderness... Egypt coming out of the wilderness, those millions of people, when they decided to build a temple, God anointed men with wisdom and knowledge. They were doing stuff that had never been done as far as I know before. They overlaid acacia wood with gold somehow without the, without the wood burning up. That wasn't human knowledge that allowed that to happen. It said God gave them the wisdom and the knowledge to do those kind of things. And that's, that's just a precursor of what can happen in the end time or what will happen in the end time. Uh, I mean, and, and Sean opening up maybe said to this, and I'm just using this example. We all can fall into this category one way or another. Opening up to some kind of discipleship, his business could just explode and no telling what it could bless. In, in the kingdom, it could bless maybe somebody else starting a new business. He could help in that. I'm just giving examples. We sell ourselves way, way too short with this. Instead of looking, we, we always separate what we do in our everyday life and fun and work and everything. We always separate that from God. We have our life that we make a living at, and then we have a meeting with God. I say the kingdom of God is going to meld both of those together in some way. Um, somebody read Matthew 4, 8 through 11. No, 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 wait a minute. Let's, let's read John 6, 27 first. Somebody read that verse. What was it? Uh, John six twenty seven. And then somebody go to Matthew 16. Put your finger there. When he finishes that, read 16, 24 through 26. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Okay, somebody, the Matthew 16, 24 through 26. 
And Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person accordingly with what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I don't even want to go on that verse yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but take up the cross, just like the Lord did. What what basically was that? I mean, literally, we just go, yeah, he, he took up his cross, and he died on it. But there was so much more involved with that. You know, before they came and arrested him, the Holy Spirit had given him that revelation of what was getting ready to go down. Three three times. Who do you have go with him? Peter? Peter, James, and John? I can't remember. Was it the three? That he brought with him and said, you guys hang out here and pray. Oh, yeah. And uh, and we always give him flack because he comes back and they're sleeping. Just come home, man. <clears throat> Taking up that cross is hardcore, even for us. Most of the time, it's probably not going to be to the level of that, but sure as heck could be. There have been lots of martyrs who've had their heads cut off, fed to the lions, the whole nine yards, just for not denying Christ. So we can't really say that Jesus is the only one who goes through that. He's telling us to take up that cross. It can be just as simple as prioritizing your walk in this life. Is he going to be at the forefront? And if he is, it involves so many things. It involves not being anxious for the clothes that I wear today or paying my mortgage. That alone takes dedication to get into the presence of God and to have that faith. That alone is taking up a cross. It is heavy. Three times... He was struggling with the Lord. I mean, it was, if it be your will, take this from me. Nope, can't happen. And I think the last two times, it was, you know, your will be done. But it said that uh, it was it was so powerful that it was, I don't know, did it say he actually sweated blood? Yes. That's that's way in the cost right there. He was tempted in every way like you and I. That wasn't God standing there telling him, you're going to go do this. It's cool because I'm going to raise you from the dead. He's being led by the Holy Spirit to do this. This is steps of faith. 
Now, I know he was tuned into the Lord and he said he didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it and all that. But there, I don't believe there was this literal manifestation, burning bush of God there for Jesus every time he did a miracle or had to go through something. He was moving by faith. And he asked the same of us. That's hardcore. Uh, the disciples falling asleep. I believe there was such a spiritual battle going on right there that there was such a heaviness flowing back between the spiritual and, and, and what's really going on here that it probably, it probably did put a sleep on them. I mean, it was a heavy thing. I don't think it was normal for them to get in that state just to fall asleep. I believe, and if you've ever waited on the Lord, that's a struggle. Because your mind wanders, doing all those kind of things in it. And if you're getting tuned into this spiritual thing that's getting ready to go down on that level, there's no telling what the attack was on, on the apostles. Mm-hmm. You know, that might have been Satan himself getting in there. Hey, I don't need any help from these idiots. Let's put a stupor on them. Let's, you know, no, I'm, just, I'm just throwing darts out there. But I don't think it was just as simple as them being. Yeah, no, we, we yeah. get that feeling of them just being, eh, whatever. I'm right. Taking that, but I don't. No, think I don't think right. so. I, I believe. That. I believe as soon as he walked off to do his prayer, they said we need to start praying for the master. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, boom! They're in that battle. Boom! Mm-hmm. It can happen to us in the same way. Um, and that's. That's kind of that's kind of what to evaluate, emphasize it, prioritize these kind of things. That that's we need to start looking at scriptures more of just tongue in cheek. The tongue in cheek reaction is that those guys were losers, man. They couldn't even pray for the Lord. Come on, there's more to it than that. Let's these were men of God that turned the world upside down. Now I know Peter denied Christ just the very next day. All those kind of, but that was probably because of that weakness that God needed to fix in him. So that's, I mean, and once it happened and once he saw it, oh, he was repentant and never turned back. Mm-hmm. So the Lord used that, and he told him ahead of time it was going to go down because he knew that weakness in Peter. But he knew that would fix it too, and it did. Uh, let's see. Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Go ahead, Steve. You got it? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. If you bow down and worship me, Jesus said to him, "Away, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. There again. Oh, he's God, that's easy. Do you believe, honestly believe, that Satan wouldn't have, would have taken him up there and, and shown him these things if he didn't think it was going to be some kind of an impact? Again, the Lord was tempted in every way you and I were. Whatever he was shown there, whatever that was, had to be powerful. For him, he's pulling out all the stops right now. Satan is. 
He isn't an amateur. If you think he's an amateur, you, you better get in your prayer closet because he's going to show you how professional he is and how good he is at what he does. And he knows he's dealing with the Son of God. He's going to pull all the stops. So although we see the purity of the Lord come through here, there had to be some kind of an impact with that offering to the Lord. There had to be. Now he responded beautifully. He's tuned into the Holy Spirit. He was a pure worshiper. He, he worshiped the Father just like we should. And it, and it didn't sway him. But it still had to be something pretty heavy for, the, for him to pull that stop and show him. He was, he was trying to manipulate that situation to make him see as a man instead of somebody being sent by God. And if he did that with our Lord Jesus Christ, think how easy he has it with us who aren't pure worshipers, who aren't in tune with the Father. How many times in our life, we, we can't even count, we, don't even, we, we couldn't even understand and probably won't till we get like him at all the times we've been snookered and put astray by those kind of things. And even... You know, we, we've talked about this before. Even with good things. But they weren't in the will of the Lord. You know? So, this kingdom is going to be a work. We win. We know that. But we still need all the tools of the Holy Spirit. We need to unify and we need to become more focused. We need to ask the questions. Not just check the mark. God, you said seek your kingdom first. What exactly in my life do I need to be doing to accelerate that? What kind of things in my life, in my work, how can you manipulate my work that it's an advantage to the kingdom of God and the people of God, my brothers and sisters? What can I be doing in my life, in my fun time? How can, how can we make that be part of the kingdom of God. We need to ask those questions because I think he'll give us those answers. He will, he will, he's not going to make us walk around like some beat up person. We're his children of God. He wants us to, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to enjoy life here as well. But why not have everything that we do be connected to his will, his kingdom. And I think we need to start asking those kind of questions. That, that's, that's why I, I put those questions out to you guys. The first one is, what is most valuable and important for you personally this coming year? Did, did everybody look at that and really think about it? To me, my answer was, And, and I know you, you read it and you go, he's just, he's got to, it's just got to be a godly thing. So I've got to answer that way. But really, really, really be honest. I, I want me this next year, 
that my personal relationship with Christ becomes more automatic. I want it to be more flowing, more that my reaction to everything in my life that the first thing that pops in my mind is how is this going to benefit my brothers, my sisters, God's will, the kingdom of God. I would love by the end of this year that any time that I went to the mountains and hooked this trailer up, that my first thoughts was how this is going to be a great gathering. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe a building of a relationship. Maybe that I start seeing what each and every one of you bring to the table. That's what I want. I, I want to be able to just automatically think that way. And I don't. I'm too busy with my life still. I, I get too distracted still. But I want to start seeing Christ in every one of you. That's my main goal. Because that's what's more important for you and that's what's more important for the body of Christ. To know what you bring. What, what you bring. You bring to build up the body of Christ. You know, Paul, Paul talks about... He, he starts. He talks about the body parts. You know, if you're ear, you're uh, an eye, foot, whatever. And he he even finishes by saying, "God is so focused on the body that oftentimes the most least function, the most least part of that body that's recognized, oftentimes is the most important." Like Stephen. You know, we, we, we always pedestalize the preachers and the ones doing all those kind of things. That's not the body of Christ. They are part of that. We push everything on them to let them do it all because we always think we are so less important. And God doesn't look at his body that way. That man, that's, if, he's a, if he's got a pure heart behind that pulpit, he's bringing the word of God. That's what we need. That is blessed. But that is just part. We are still a misfunctioning body. We are still handicapped unless we're all doing our part. And they are all very much just as important as the other. Um, and if anybody wants to share, if God's laid something specific on your heart personally, share. I'm, that's what this is about. This is a small room. That's what this is about. If he's, if he's knocking on your door, and if he knocks on your door this week, we'll talk about it later. That's all good. Um, the second thing I put out there, what place should prayer and fasting have in the church this year? I have only ever, and I'm being honest, fasted and prayed most of the time for 
individuals. And there is, that is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. Sean and I did it with, with Karen this year. Um, I've done it for my dad a couple times. Uh, done it for myself, wanting to break through, so to speak. Kind of been in the desert, you know. But I've never done it for just the simple reason is I want to see the church grow and mature. I've never done it for that reason. I've never asked anybody to collectively do that with me. I know it's, it's, it's done in churches before, I understand it, but I've never participated in that. To, to me, I believe that should be a priority and, and there will be a time in the next few months that we're going to meet here and I'm going to say, hey, it's time. Or Sean may say, I think it's time. Billy may say, I think it's time. Ben, whatever. I've got a real churning in my heart. I want to see, see us have a direction. And I don't mean just this little room of people. I'm, we need to think bigger than that. Okay, God, we want to see this kingdom grow. We want to see entrepreneurs. We want to see our whole lives being intertwined with the kingdom of God and, the, and, and that grow to, to the fullness that you want it so that when you come back to this earth you receive a bride without spot, blemish or any such thing start giving us the tools to make those things happen um, is it Corinthians that talks about the gifts is it Corinthians the nine gifts I think it is. Somebody help me. I think that's where it's at. Let me Google it. Because he was he was talking about This is this is one of those passages that's really been cherry picked by different denominations to kind of put across what 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 they want instead of what God wants. First Corinthians twelve one through eleven maybe. Let me see. First Corinthians twelve. Yeah, spiritual gifts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now here, yeah, here's Paul talking. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. So basically he's saying, I was there, whether I was in body or spirit, I don't know, don't care. God knows. What? Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Now see, already, he's thrown something at us called the third heaven. Mm-hmm. What the heck is the third heaven? Don't know. Well, we've got our heavens above. That's the first heaven. You know, just the the sky, the birds in the sky. I've been explained. It's been explained to me once, and then I think the third heaven is actual heaven, where the Father and and the Son reside. So there's, I think there's. Where's number two? Two would be space. 
Oh yeah, one, two, okay. Yeah. And then okay. where they where they reside. Yeah, so so anyway, boom, Paul throws this at us. And he says, And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Holy crap. So there, there, there's a time coming. I mean, Paul experienced it. It wasn't just for Paul. You know that that's 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 for everybody. Oh yeah, good. Uh, he says, "On on behalf of such a man, I will, uh, man will I boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weakness. For if I do not wish to boast, I shall not." Be foolish, for I shall be speaking in truth, but I refrain from this, so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. And, uh, wait a minute here. This still isn't, is this where we're at? I think it's the first. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm really looking sure. for, for well, this. First Corinthians 12, right? Yeah. First Corinthians 12. It's titled, The Use of Spiritual Gifts. Oh, he goes on down here. And we'll get to wherever. I want to be here in a minute anyway. For, uh, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Now, right now, all across America, that word apostle has become almost tongue-in-cheek in the charismatic movement. I mean, this guy's got 12 churches, so he's an apostle. Well, Paul says, signs of a true apostle, I did with signs, wonders, and miracles. So he was moving in those kind of things on an everyday basis. And we read, we read that he was, but that still is not where we need to be. Um, He was talking about, it was right before when he was talking about tongues and all those kind of things. It's before all that. Uh, where was it? Maybe it was 2 Corinthians. Okay. 1 Corinthians 14 is the gifts of prophecy and tongues. First Corinthians fourteen. Yeah, that's. And then there's also also in Second Corinthians. Maybe that's. Oh, here we go. Yeah, she was right. I was in Second Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, now he's indicating right now it's the same Spirit. He's not going to dump the fullness of all this onto one person. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given. 
to each one. There's no exception to each member of the body of Christ. God gives a gift. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Nine gifts right there. And he says each one of those are given, and they're manifested. There's a reason why he gives, now it doesn't say that if you've got, if he gives you the gift of wisdom, that that's the only gift you'll ever have. We've got to understand that in the kingdom of God, there are things that need to be done, there are things that need to be manifested, there are things that need to happen. And if you're in a certain spot at a certain time, and you have the gifts of wisdom, and the Lord's moving on you, and you've got a brother who might be dying right in front of you, he can give you also the gift of healing. And you can lay hands on this brother and he'll be healed. Will that help the kingdom of God? There are tons of these things that we just read tongue in cheek. If we really believe in a creator of all the universe, our God, and he's got a plan, and he knew that plan from the beginning, he knows the plan at the end, he's, he's seen it happen, he's not bound by time, he has given us the Holy Spirit to give us those things, not to boast, not to be, I'm better than you, not to do any of those things, but for one reason, to help our brothers and sisters to build the kingdom of God, to get it to the fullness of Christ. We shouldn't be looking at this verse wondering who's got what. We should be going before God saying, it's evident that we can't do these things ourselves. That's why you gave these gifts. So let's start operating in those. Start blessing me with those kind of things. Now later on, Paul talks about <coughs> how laying on the hands by the apostles, a lot of these gifts were, were transferred to people. Well, if that's the case, and the apostles move in that kind of thing, then we need to be seeking God for some God-given apostles. If they're going to move in that kind of light where they can lay hands on people and they can bless them with the Spirit, bless them with, with, with a, a gift of God, and it doesn't say that that's the only way it happens, but it did say that happened that way. To me, this is discernment. I mean, I'm reading the Scriptures. Okay, well, if that's the case, we need some apostles. We need some prophets to break loose some kind of things. We need God moving in all these areas. Ephesians 4 says, I gave first the church apostles, then prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Five, boom, for the unifying of the church, the building up of, of his body to the fullness of Christ. We, we, we see these nine gifts. We see five 
a fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4 that needs to be operating in the church. So I'm saying this year, as this body of Christ, that there's going to be a time that I'm going to say, okay, let's put the rubber to the road. Let's fast and pray and seek God that He be moving among us. <coughs> like we see in Acts. <coughs> Do the stuff. I, I, I told you guys did I tell you guys last last week about the John Wimber story? He was this rock and roller, pagan heathen, never been in church his whole life, got saved. He goes to a Bible study like this. Somebody told him, you're brand new, you don't know, you haven't been around God, read the New Testament. He says, okay. I think he read the whole New Testament, probably twice. He comes back that next Bible study, they're doing their same old ritual. He goes, well, hey, oh. you told me to read this New Testament thing, I did it. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when are we going to do the stuff? <laughs> pure heart pure heart he read the New Testament he didn't go to seminary but what he read in Acts was powerful when are we going to do the stuff I want to do the stuff not to edify myself but to help my brothers and sisters when they're in need to build up their weakness make them strong actually start having some kind of vision of what the kingdom of God really is. And not just in this meeting, in our everyday life, in our workplace. We should have more wisdom and knowledge in this room than anybody in the world as far as it comes to, to, to business, dealing with people. We should be able to do those kind of things. Discipleship hasn't changed since Acts. There's nothing in there that says it's changed. We should be discipling. We should be making each other better. So, and I, I'm going to go as far as this. When, I, when the Lord moves, and, 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 and I think he's wanting us to, to fast and pray about these kind of things, that, and I'm going to say, okay, this week, let's actually fast and pray. And if I don't get any takers, I'll do it the whole freaking week myself if I have to. That's how dedicated to this I am. And if I don't see you moved, I'll do it another week. But I want to see answers. I want to, I want to draw and appropriate those blessings of God that we be active and that we actually start moving this city, this United States, the world. We have the power of God in us. He said, greater is he that in us than he who's in the world if we really believe and have faith that the, that the Holy Spirit of God Himself dwells in us, we should be able to channel His wisdom, His knowledge, His power, His appropriation. We should be able to do that, change the lives of people, and move mountains, principalities, powers, powers that, that, that guide the United States, that guide the world. We should be able to start becoming 
the arm bearers of the army of God and start dealing with those kind of things. And it's exciting to me. I know we can see it happen. It has to start somewhere. And we don't have to wait for some big orator who has the best speech of all. You you know, I, I have listened to the Bible like on CD, and that's good. But it always lacks, seems like it always lacks power. I can hear you guys read the scripture out loud and be, be more moved by that than I can a CD on tape. Don't ask me why. Well, I know why. Because that's a paid actor to read that. It's a paid professional. When we read it, we're reading it from the heart. And when we read it, the Word of God becomes active and powerful. Comments? Any insight? We're doing this thing at a church called uh, Your One. And that's what I would like to kind of spread around for because what you're talking about is discipleship as well as at church. We're, we're looking for someone in your in surrounding that doesn't necessarily know God and that you can not take on as a project, but that you can take on as someone to do life with, to show them Jesus, to show them the, the, the ways of, of the Lord and to kind of help them along if, you know, if, if they're not if they don't know Jesus, and I, I would like to do, you know, if, if that's something that we can involve in this group as well, is, you know, just to find somebody in our lives that we can do life with as well, and, you know, kind of show them show them a better way, and help them out whenever they can, pray for them, constantly ask them if we can, things that we can pray for, for them, you know, just just show Jesus to them, and like I said, it, it it's so hard to say that, that it's not, a, they're not a project, and I think we're saying that at church, but really, they kind of are. You know? But it's not, it's not like you're trying to, I'm going to go out and say this person. It is just doing life with them, but, you know, just to, just to help them. Chance can be first. He's going to be our one? Yeah. He can do the project. Yeah. He can do our project? But, you know, I do. Michael? Comes to mind. Mike right Michael there. Oh, yeah. Michael, Mike. Michael needs a lot of work. Yeah. Michael needs it, That's... Are you kidding? Oh, here? That, here? That's, yes. that's, that's who he calls. David's, David's mighty men were this, they were the scoundrels of Israel. Mm-hmm. They, were the, they were the dregs. And that's what David surrounded himself with. And those guys, they were written about like the 300 in real life. Yeah. That's who those guys were. And they were the, they, so you can't judge because what God can change somebody into, into his image, is beyond your imagination. I mean, think about it. I, these guys, his mighty men, they're the, the, the top 30, they were chased around by Saul. They were living in caves and crap. As a matter of fact, I think David's mom and dad weren't even real happy with him. Because they were looking at things from a secular view. He was the youngest, same kind of thing with Joseph. He's a young brother, and this prophet shows up and anoints him to be king. Who the heck does he think he is? Just because he went and killed a giant. I, I mean, he was getting all kinds of crap, and you got the king chasing you around everywhere. You got the 30 worst people in Israel, probably right out of CJC, as your right hand men. 
and he writes he writes passages about them about their loyalty how they one guy took on a thousand dudes just protecting the king's crop that's what god's after those kind of people and john the baptist who wouldn't be welcome in one church in this whole freaking town not one church they wouldn't now not allow him without a shower probably much less get up there and preach the word and he stood up to pharisees to kings to lose his head for one moment for one moment this was the son of god that was his his whole ministry man two years two years ministry and that ushered in christ and then losing his head. Who is Michael closest to in here? Mike Zeller? Chance. Probably Chance. Yeah, Chance needs to think about how we can. But he says it. stupid things. Like, I caught him in it the other day. Dad was talking time. to him. And he always says, Have you seen God? Have you seen God? Does it, he's asking. And, yeah. He's inquiring. But, he's, and, but he's, then he's he comes a... back and says, Well, I believe in aliens. And while he says that, I said, Mike, have you ever seen one? <laughs> and it stopped him in his tracks. And I'm like, he, his That was funny. It. He just like. And that's how God works. Gives you a little bit of wisdom to throw in there because it goes boom. He goes, wow. He's just he's lost. <laughs> I have a different question though. I, because Bill, Bill, your 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 lessons are high. They're up here, mm-hmm. which is good. But do your your dear boys know the foundational basics of what we believe? Do you oh, always yeah. know the, just the foundation of what we believe? No, I don't know if that he's told them that. Do you know just the foundation of what we believe as Christ followers? What the gospel is. It's hard to have a one if you guys don't know what we believe and if you believe what we believe. Well, I don't know exactly what you mean by that. So, like, do you, so, like, our 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 belief is obviously we believe in Jesus, right? And we have to, and we believe that Jesus died for our sins. First Corinthians. And we believe that He was resurrected. Mm-hmm. And we believe in that there is a Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Those are, that's our foundational belief system. See, and, that's, and, and I've taught them all those kind Good. of things. Good. But that's not even the full go- the, all the gospel. No, see, no, we, see we, we, we always just, talk about, let's preach the gospel. Right. You know, I'm talking about, uh, like tonight, these, these, these nine gifts. Right. You don't have to be a 30-year Christian no. to get a gift of God. You get a guy like John Wimber, who I believe ended up being an apostle. He established the whole vineyard movement. Um, it, it and there, there were signs and wonders that followed this guy. I mean, those kind of things. All we need the we need it all. We we, right. we need the whole thing. I don't care if you're a three day Christian. If if your heart has become broken and you have met Jesus Christ and you understand that He died for you, even though you were a scoundrel, mm-hmm. and you've got a hold of that. And you go on a march, and he starts imparting spiritual things to you. You can over, you can t- turn this whole town upside down, and God will move through you. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge. It says, in the end time, the last will be first, and the first will be last. And then he talked about a parable of, uh, of the guy hiring people to vend his to 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 tend to his vineyard. Paid him so. Let's say he paid him ten bucks. The last guy that hardly even got any work in, he paid the same ten bucks. Right. And then 
The other ones were all ticked off. Well, we've spent the whole day. God imparts to people the same way. We need to understand. You know, it it, it was going so fast in, in, in Acts. They said, oh, the Spirit fell on them just like it did us on the, on, at the first, and they spoke in tongues. Peter says, well, where's the water? we got to get these guys baptized. They had totally went past the order of things. It was get saved, get baptized. The Holy Spirit fell on them. They spoke in tongues. The Spirit, uh, all, that was kind of the, pro- the procedure. And all of a sudden, this group skipped all that and went right into a spiritual gift. And he says, he still didn't say they didn't need baptized, but here they're moving in this spiritual gift. He goes, we got to go find some water. <laughs> because they have leaped ahead bounds right now compared to the way we went into this thing. That's the way the end time is going to work. It's going to be the same thing. And uh, it, I, I remember talking, talking with, with Ben. He hadn't been to church. He didn't, he didn't know the foundational things. But what, what grabbed a hold of him were we were talking about some dimensional things. The spiritual dimension and this, and, and this kind of thing. That's what grabbed a hold of him. I'm not saying I'm so smart. that I think that was God the whole way. Mm-hmm. He knew what he needed to hear to start going towards salvation. And the same kind of thing. I think he had a handle on a lot of this spirituality thing and understanding that, that there's this other dimension that, that coexists with us, he, he kind of grabbed a hold of that understood that to a greater level than most mature Christians. And then we were able to talk about Jesus, what he did, and, and, and how he moved, and all those kind of things fell into place. So that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so important that we expand our thinking Besides the old order of knocking on doors and handing a tract that says Jesus saves. He's so much greater than that. And he will move so much different in different individuals depending on what it is. Doesn't mean that okay, they, we grabbed a hold of them here that we don't go back and lay the foundation. Of course, we gotta lay the foundation. We gotta we gotta talk about Jesus, what he did on the cross, how he took the sins on the world, and uh, we gotta get you we gotta find some water, we gotta get you baptized. You know, because and baptism, that's a whole other topic we need to talk about one of these days. Mm-hmm. It's just not a ritual. When you come up out of that water, when you come up when you come up out of that water, there's a change. When, when when it's here and you go into that water and you come out, you come out as a new person. That that's the only way I can explain it. When I came out of the water, it was it was like I took my first breath as a baby. That's what it was. That's the way I kind of explain it. It was just boom. And I'd already and I'd say and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't even been baptized as a child. But when I was baptized as an adult, when I had when I had changed when I when I had turned my heart to really pursue God, no matter I was in the middle of a bunch of crap, you know, that's why I was there. But still when I made that choice, it was different. There was a transformation that began with me, and it's kept on going ever since. That was the trigger. So, these are cool discussions. That's what this is about. And I oftentimes do that. I fly by a lot of the basic stuff. And if, if anybody 
needs to reiterate some of that stuff, just grab a hold of me and say, hey, or boop. He, or so slow slow down. What, what, we're here, but what happened here? Right. You know, let's bring, bring that's, that's what this room is about. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to, to speak freely, to ask the questions, no matter how simple right. you may think they are. Right. And something is like we were talking about the verse today, which I would have had a discussion about, but the verse today about, you know, don't worry. Bull crap, don't worry. Right. How come we don't ever talk about how do you not worry? Exactly. If God says don't worry, okay, fabulous. Now how do I not worry? I don't know what you're doing. It's, it's, I think that that's, that's is it your alarm? See, and that's that's one of those things that, that I'm talking about that maybe we should fast and pray about because we always handle that as as Christians who've been born in the church all the time that we know that verse, so we go in our own little closet and we, and we pray to God. I'm worried. What's what's going on? Well, why not bring the body in right. here and say, hey, I'm feeling anxious about this. And I think, and, and just that, that verse, Sean and I have you know debates about it a little bit, but it's just there... There are good discussions to have. There are good, dis- and if you question something, if if you, I mean, you guys are new believers. I assume you're a believer. I don't know that you are though, because you don't have to be. I mean, you do, but you don't. It's not. It has to be a choice that you make, not a choice that we make for you. You know, and so it's like, do we know the fundamentals? Do you know why we believe what we believe? And and like like, what is Megan's response to Michael, who says, "Have you ever seen him?" Well, I technically I haven't seen his physical body, but I see him every day. Well, that just sounds cliche. Well, so I've, how do we have those conversations? I've talked to Mike probably about three times now, one time with Bill. And he, uh, as I've described to Bill, he believes that there is a God. He just hasn't put a name to it. But the approach that I think we should take with him is that we should make it very honest, honest name to saying that this is what I believe is true and right. the best way I can describe reality. Because eventually, after we start continually talking to them, something's going to click like it did with me. Right. Right. And it's that, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about the Word of God. Mm-hmm. How when we speak the Word of God, it becomes alive. I truly believe that. We can be in it a conversation and God is attached to our voice. Mm-hmm. And that's what grabs a hold of that person is they don't even know why. Yeah. Most most people who haven't been raised in church, like John Wimber, who've become saved, they couldn't tell you at all that it was him dying for my sins is the reason why. Somebody spoke a word in that meeting that was alive, that, that God was attached to, that intermingled with him somehow, and it drew him. He, he probably couldn't tell you definition why he ran to God, but he just he couldn't help himself. Maybe where he was at in his life, whatever the case was. And once he, he felt that, he knew it was real. He couldn't tell you why it was real. He might have been the one two weeks ago saying, you, don't, you got no proof. But that word that he opened up to that night became alive to him. <laughs> my poor phone. It acts like it's gotta be an alarm. It, no, it's my keys. I have a tile on my keys. Help me find it when I lose it. And it says you rang your phone from my keys. So it has bills. No, that's my truck keys. Um, but I think. See, I've seen. I've absolutely seen God. I have. I have not seen what we think God should look like. But I've seen God in the middle of a store in a black lady, like this black yeah, lady. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, that was God. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that was full on God. Yeah. 
But Mike's not going to understand that. Mike wants you to be able to say, yes, I've seen an actual spiritual realm that had a halo. And No. Well, and I've been no. in that boat, too. But, right. You know, that's always the defensive right. answer to it. There's it's, a funny it's defensive note. as they don't want to deal with the... Right. He could be real because he doesn't know how to believe in something that's not tangible. Right, that's not tangible. He can't hold right. right. Well, there is a funny thing that I've heard many times is you know people will say, "Well, have you seen God?" Well, I've never seen the wind before, but I see the effects of the wind. I see what the wind does to things. I've never seen it. I can't see it. It's a mystery. There's something there, but I see it's doing something. You know, I'm not seeing it physically, but it's there. It's doing something. So God is inside of me. He's doing something with me. I feel it. I know he's there. So with Mike. I Just love him through it. Love him. And, Just love him through and it. And we've got to show him too. We can't be, with, with people like Mike, you, you can't be in a conversation like this. And then show him, okay, 20 minutes later, we're going to go out and get boozy and get drunk. Because that gives people That's, like yeah. Mike mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they don't understand that. that. Wait a minute. Yeah. Then what's different? Yeah. That's kind of hypocritical. If you're, you know, you've got to lead him by your lifestyle as well. Probably most importantly by your lifestyle. You know, it can't be, uh, I'm going to do them both. I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about God. I'm gonna let you know how I feel about it, and then we're gonna go over here and then smoke we'll get, pot. We're gonna go get wasted. Well, and, 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 and I've had that conversation with him before. I said, he goes, "Well, there's nothing wrong." I said, "There's nothing wrong with drinking, Mike." Right. But there's there is something wrong with getting slobbered and drunk where you do stupid stuff. Abs- yeah. Yeah. I, I text I, Megan. I can't remember you even texted her. Yeah. yeah I, I said. I said that's that's where the line is. I mm-hmm. said that's what you got to realize. I said, how many stupid things have you done in your life because you've been out of your mind. Right. I, I said, that's the issue. Right. It's just, yeah, it's, it's all in yeah. it, moderation. Yeah, it's just, but, you know. It, but he loves his place. But he would be a perfect. He loves everybody here. But I he he, When yeah. he gets boozy, he, he loves everybody. No, <laughs> you see him coming over here. There's something here that he that wants. He wants. I told him one day, I, I said, I said, you were going through some heavy stuff with Alicia and you were on my heart one day. I don't know what you were doing. I don't care. I said, just so you know, I said, I went knocked on your door twice that day to make sure you're okay. I said, I knew you were, but I said, that is what I felt God was pushing me to do with you that day. So I said, you know, maybe it was nothing. But I said, when I feel that, I've got to act. So he, he was, you know, you could tell that threw him off because he, 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 he was trying to figure that one out. Like, right. what the heck? You know, so there's little things like that that just keep chipping away at him. And, and, and you as well. Why was I led, you know, over there when he was, you know? So, yeah, the East... Like I said, they, they can't be projects. It can't be a, a thought of being your project. Oh, I'm gonna. No, it's just. And, and ultimately, it's you don't save anybody. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit who, who seals the deal. Amen. And that's what you got to realize. It's just that that that's why it hurts nothing. If you're th- if you think you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody or do something. 
And maybe, it, maybe it, you know, maybe it wasn't the Lord. Maybe it was just you. Who cares? You're responding in faith. I knew you were gonna do that. Get off me. To to what you think is a nudging from God for, or from the Holy Spirit. It's it's all for good. And, and a lot of times it's just probably him, maybe trying to get you to press in a little bit more to hear his voice, maybe a little clearer. Yeah. You know. I, I from Mike's point of view. When I would argue against Christians, right? When I would argue and say, oh, how do you explain this? Their answers were typically in a defensive manner. Right. And I think it's our responsibility as a Christian to know what we believe. And, and the first step is to get in the Word, because that's where you can find most of your answers, but also relating things to other things. So you can explain it in a reasonable manner. Right. Yep. Because he's not going to listen to a verse of the Bible initially. Right. He's, I mean, maybe something will happen like that, but he's going to more follow the lines of, oh, that makes sense. Maybe there's something to that, and then follow it through. You know, one of my better, my best experiences ever when it comes to one of the things like this is right before that things like that happen, I say a subtle prayer of Holy Spirit take over my tongue. And it's amazing, dude. And the things that come out yeah, of my mouth, I'm like, in my head, I'm looking at I'm like, who is speaking here? You know? And it's just so awesome when you can get out of your own way and let the Holy Spirit do what He does. You know, instead of trying to, like you're saying, trying to even yourself get defensive and trying to come back at something that He's saying, you know? It, 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 it's truly mind blowing when you pray that. Just, Holy Spirit, take over. Right now, take over. Even the knowledge could be like a story out of the Bible. I can't describe that, but how do you describe that? You know, just. You know, a, fu- a, funny, a funny story. Two years ago in the SRT Academy, we make these guys do this course where they're carrying, a, carrying uh, somebody on a stretcher, like a downed officer. And if you're not carrying a stretcher, you're carrying a 45 pound plate. Or a water jug for everybody, or something. So when your guy starts to fall out on the stretcher, you switch him out, and he'll take it. So it smokes you. I mean, you're walking through soft dirt and all this, and about halfway through, I told him, I said, "Okay, put your stuff down, man. Come over here in the shade, take a break." And uh, I went over there and I told him the story of David, the mighty man, with the one who had the sword who defended the. I, I said. He fought, the Bible says he fought till he couldn't fight anymore and fought some more. <laughs> Thousand men killed them all. He said, when it was over with, they had to pry the fingers off the sword. I said, that's what this academy is about. It's about when you can't go anymore, you find a way and you go more. So, and then I turned around and said, oh crap, where's your stuff? And my buddies had grabbed all their stuff and took off running with it. So I had to go chase them down. You know. So they were mad because I told them this story. But what's funny is, those same guy this year, Lord, you got to do that Bible story on these guys. you got to do it. you got to talk about King David. So who knows? Who knows? So now I've done it two years in a row. Now they're, they're acting like it's part of the academy now. <laughs> you know, so you just never know. 
And that, that's great that something like that can be shared. Yeah, not like schools where, you know, you could be cracked down because of that. Right. Yeah, that, that was kind of my way of doing an end around about talking about God at work. <laughs> you know, so, so that's what I mean. But God's wise. He, he always gives you a way. Something that Mike asked me when we were out in the garage. I didn't have an answer to when he asked me. He said, This is what he said. He said, If God is so great, why are kids dying of cancer? Why are all this? And then Mike, I didn't know. You know? And so my response was, God works in mysterious ways. You know, we'll never have the answers. We have to take responsibility as well. It's something you can say. We do bad things on this earth. We are all sinners. Why not? And, I, and now, through our Bible studies, what I've thought of is that when Bill talks about how God wants us to pursue Him, He doesn't want us. He doesn't want to go, oh, you're going to do what I tell you to do, or, you know, this child's going to heal because we're not going to be truly faithful to God. And so, my explanation, if you ask me again, would be something along the lines of, you know, God gave us free will to pursue because we can we can go left, we can go right. But it's truly up to us to go on the right path. Narrow is the gate, Jesus says. Broad is the gate to the world, the fleshlings, to do whatever. Narrow is the gate to learn. I mean, it's a, that's the kind of, I want that kind of knowledge because that's just a deeper understanding of something that I can maybe here's here's the reasonable answer. Or, you know, reason maybe to your mind, but here's also how it's backed up in scripture. Yep. 